0: So um, people say that prayer changes things and um, there is truth in that, but you know, it's not really the prayer, it's the God that we pray to. God hears and answers prayer and um, that is a particular blessing that we experience as those who know him. Um, And so I'm thankful for all those who have been praying for my wife, Judith. She had a foot operation yesterday that involved um, some kind of implant, which was something that the surgeons were quite excited about doing because it's not something that they do very often. And so um, it's been quite painful and it's up to six weeks recovery, but she's doing well. Um, Her mouth is still working um, in in full (laughs) order, so I know she's all right. (laughs) And um, so thank you for praying for her continued recovery. Also, um, for those who've been praying for Jason, um, he had a CT scan. He had a a major operation that related to his heart was the first stage of, of it. And um, they feared that he may have had a stroke because he has quite severe epilepsy, that he may have had a stroke at some point during the process. They gave him a CT scan and found a a spot on the brain. And so they're gonna do an MRI on Monday. So please do continue to keep him in prayer. But he is truly experiencing God's grace in amazing ways. And um, some have kind of had insight of the testimony, but I'm sure he will, you know, share it with us when he is back on his feet. Also, it's, it's good that we're praying for those who are um, victims of this hurricane season. Um, we were praying for those victims of Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane Irma is now working her way through the um, southeast area of um, the US and the Caribbean there. Um, some of us have family in that region. And so we've been kind of particularly watchful. And um, so let's continue to keep the victims and those at risk in prayer. Um, And with all those things in mind, we recognize that um, living in a fallen world, living in a broken world, where there are so many challenges and trials, um, it can be exhausting, it can be... um, even infuriating, Um, but this is where we are, and God has purpose that we be people who progress nonetheless, that we be people who progress nonetheless, and, um, you know, we've been encouraged through the summer as far as us taking the, the gospel out out of our comfort zone, and being encouraged to share it with others. And, you know, I would say that um, it's really important for us as, as believers, as Christians, to be engaged in evangelism in some capacity or another. The call to discipleship, the Christian call, is one where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Is that what he says? That's not all he says. He says that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And there is nothing like evangelism to challenge us in regards to our level of self-denial. To what extent have we really denied ourselves? Well, if you're a bit uncertain, do some evangelism. And that will quickly expose where we're at. Evangelism is definitely the great adventure of the Christian life. And yet, um, there is more to the Christian life. And so, as we gather this morning, um, the the title, I guess, of my thoughts, if you want to put it in those terms, and of this talk is... Revision, service (laughs) 0.5. Now, it may not be what you think it is. I love this time of the year, the beginning of a new academic year. And um, as somebody who's been involved in education for over 20 years, you kind of get into the rhythm of things uh, with September being kind of like a reboot to the year. It's, it's like a second new year. I've taken to saying to those in, in education, happy new, new year, year <laughs> academically speaking. And so it's wonderful because it feels like we get a sec- second bite of the apple as far as where we're at, examining where we're at. We do that at the, at the, at, at, in January, right? We, we look at our... Um, you know, selves, and we consider what changes we need to make, and some of us make resolutions about what we want to do for the year. And so that can kind of come like an end-of-year service if you speak about it in um, car terms. You know, you're supposed to service your car annually. Some of you didn't know that. You're supposed to service your car annually, and then you wonder why you got problems. <laughs> you're supposed to service your car Annually, this, this, isn't, this isn't just the, the MOT. Yeah, This isn't just the MOT, but this is actually more than a routine check. This is making necessary changes to fundamental aspects of your vehicle to ensure the continued smooth running. It's a service. It's not just a checkup. But also, um, we are encouraged to have a half-year service. Now, some of us find the annual service that's a bit of a stretch; money's tight. And you talk about a six-month or six-thousand-mile half-year service, um, especially if you're a, a, a heavy user of your vehicle. We're encouraged to, halfway through the year, just, you know, check things. What they do? They do. They used to be plugs. I don't know if they still use um, spark plugs on cars these days because it's all electronic and everything, isn't it? But it was was, um, air filter, oil change, check your plugs, so on and so forth. And um, I think spiritually, it's helpful for us to anticipate the need to make checks and changes during the course of our annual lives our yearly activities, our yearly endeavors. And so you could see this as the half year service. Service 0.5. We as a church have a progressive vision that we're seeking to outwork. We've been here in Lewisham For three years, just over, we um, were planted back in 2003, which is, what, 14 years ago now, and um, we recognize that we're still here because God wants us to be. Time doesn't permit me to give you testimony as to why we shouldn't be here, and yet God has been faithful, amen? Amen. And we recognize that we're here for such a time as this. And so it's important that we're reflecting, evaluating, and making necessary changes as we pursue the purpose of God as the people of God called for his glory. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5. You may want to turn there. Um, Looking from verses 11 to 14. And um, the right of Hebrews is challenging the the, the, the receivers, the readers, um, with regards to where they're at on their journey. Pastor Rob spoke to us last week of the pilgrim's progress. What kind of progress are we making as pilgrims? And so let's look at Hebrews 5. And verses 11 to 14, and then I'll pray. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Father God, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts today. Um, we're different people in different places. Some of us have been walking with you for years and yet still are in need of that habitual reevaluation and refocusing some are are new to relationship with you and are are trying to find their feet and trying to get their, their their orientation and and understand you know just who they are now and what is the world they live in now as they've come into relationship with you some are seeking relationship with you even evidenced by them being here today and are not even really fully knowing who you are or what it means to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us all, wherever we're at. And that through that which is shared from your word today, we would all be drawn closer to you. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. So, our vision is to be a healthy church equipped to disciple, faithful on mission. And these principles are those that the scriptures state is the purpose of the church. This is not something that we made up having, you know... Uh, a great leaders meeting feeling really inspired this just came straight from the, the the pages of scripture as it ought to because jesus is the head of the church and he has defined who we are and how we are to live and so distilling that in our own terms we recognize we're to be a healthy church healthy in relationship with god and with one another those who are equipped to make disciple makers and therefore faithful on mission. And how we're doing in relation to trying to fulfill that vision, we're not saying that that's what we are. I remember when we first kind of introduced the vision statement and we were having conversations and somebody said, that's kind of a bit, that's a bit arrogant. That's that's a bit kind of prideful saying that you're a healthy church equipped to disciple faithful on mission that's a bit bossy you're really bigging up your chest about and I said no 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 no, you misunderstand this is who we're striving to be that's why it's a vision it's always ahead of us and no matter how much we progress it's always going to continue to be ahead of us otherwise it's not a good vision The vision should always be more than we are, as much as it should always be all that we would hope to be. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're striving toward. And how we're doing in relation to fulfilling this vision, seeing this vision realized, is not just an organizational thing. People will see a church vision and say, okay, well that's the responsibility of the leaders to see that we fulfill that. But actually, no. It starts with us as individuals. Where are you at in terms of fulfilling this vision? Seeing this vision fulfilled in your life personally. Is your life spiritually healthy? Do you have a really healthy relationship with God? And with others? Are you equipped in such a way that you're Making disciple makers. You're discipling someone who is being equipped to disciple someone else. Is that a characteristic of your life? Do you see glimpses of that in your life? Are you faithful on mission? Taking opportunity to share the Lord as we've been challenged throughout the summer with others? Seeking opportunity to share the Lord? Tough questions, right? (laughs) Tough questions. Because if you're answering them honestly about yourself, knowing that you know yourself better than anyone else, apart from God, obviously, I'm sure like me, you would say there's work to do. Amen, brother. Now, it's really important that we appreciate that there's work to be done. And that we ask God for the grace to be given to that work. I know some of you, like many people, hit Monday morning, hear the alarm and you're just like, Hey, okay. Okay snooze because I'm not trying to rush back to work right now not trying to rush back to work you're not given you're just it may be a season it may be you're just in a bad job and it ain't working out for you but for one reason or another you're in that space where you're not even feeling like you're feeling your work yet there's a work to be done in our lives and we need to ask God to help us to give us that heart give us his grace to be up for that work because it requires our responsiveness to God. It's not something that God is just going to do. He's not just going to zap us and all of a sudden we're just praying for three hours a day, reaching out on our, on our you know, journey to, to and from work and and. and you know, we're, we're serving in the church and we're blessing and encouraging the brethren and we're meeting regularly with someone who we're pouring into and discipling them and seeing them equipped and it ain't going to happen with just, you know, we, we, we pray one day and then all of a sudden we just, we feel power. It don't work like that. And all of those places that are trying to, trying to sell you that dream, Tell them to shh. Because it don't work like that. That's not what we see in scripture. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. That doesn't sound like a zap. That sounds like some some effort has to be applied. I, I, I'm not really a boxing fan, but I kind of got caught up in the whole Mayweather-McGregor hype, and um, so <laughs> oh, I got caught up in the hype. What can I say? And so you've got this UFC fighter, which is mixed martial arts, um, Conor McGregor, and you have the you know undefeated world champion. Um, on, on how many different belts, um, you know, Mayweather, and they were going to meet in the ring for this this kind of mismatch of the century. How is this going to work? And um, you know, you kind of see the the, the the pre-fight publicity, and you know, McCrug is talking about his regime and what he's doing and how he's going to approach it, and you see Mayweather roller skating. At roller disco. (laughs) And so I said to him, So what, are you training for this fight? And he said, Yeah, I'm training, but this is how I, you know, this is part of my regime. This is how I unwind. And you could tell even right there that, you know what, actually, (laughs) if you were a betting person, right, I'm not encouraging you to bet, but if you were a betting person, you'd kind of have an inclination where to put your money. This guy was super confident, he was at roller disco. When he should have been training, everybody's thinking he's gonna be working out, bed early, up early, doing his road work, getting in the gym, doing his bag work, sparring, doing his weights. He's been out the ring for a little bit. He's gonna be putting the work in, he's gonna be training. That's how we should be viewing our walk in the Lord. That as we are engaging with the Word of God, we're not just gathering information to be saved into folders in our mental hard drive, but we are supposed to be applying it in rigorous ways so that we are being trained in righteousness. Now, the Hebrews. <clears throat> we're being challenged. If you're familiar with the, the book of Hebrews, you will see that there's a lot of Old Testament talking there. And the writer to the Hebrews was trying to help them to reconcile how the Old Testament works in the light of Christ and how Christ works and is superior to that of the Old Testament. And when you look at your Bibles, yeah, it's not so easy when you're on the um, apps, but when you look at the Bibles, you see that the, the Old Testament is like two-thirds of the Bible, if not more, slightly. And so there's this, the, the majority of Scripture is the Old Testament, which, if we're honest, most of us don't really delve into too hard and too regularly. We read some Psalms, yeah? <laughs> read some Psalms. <laughs> The the songbook of Israel, and it, 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 you know, waters our souls. We can relate to the Psalms, the Psalms of David, the Lord is my shepherd. And, you know, but we're not trying to get into Obadiah, (laughs) Nahum. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable so the writer to the Hebrews was like, look, gonna, I, need to, I need to deal with some of this Old Testament stuff for you. I mean, Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And you're like, is that how you say that word? <laughs> Melchizedek? But he's like, you know what? i got so much to say about this, but it's hard to explain. And it wasn't just hard to explain because... It was hard to explain. Sometimes you just come across those things. And for those who are involved in sharing the, the scriptures in any way, you know that you've got to really kind of rack your brain sometimes and work hard to try and understand. How, how do I understand this? And then how do I explain what I think that I understand? But that wasn't the reason why. When you look at the verse, what does it say? As to why it was hard for the person to explain all that they wanted to say. What does it say? Because the people had become dull of hearing. Hmm. Have you become dull of hearing? Are you tired? Like, ah, heard it all before. (laughs) It ain't working now. (laughs) Those words ain't working now. Heard it all before. Dull of hearing. Or like, this is just too much. I can't be bothered. Just tell me how to be successful. I'll take that. Just tell me how I can win. I'll take that. Explain the Bible. Leave that. That's long. You know that kind of whatever, apathetic, lethargic, indifferent attitude. Hearing but not hearing. That's why it was hard to explain. If you've ever been involved in sharing the scriptures, or if you will ever be involved... This is something, a challenge you will encounter. Especially in this country that was regarded once as a Christian country. I say regarded once as because it evidently isn't that anymore. And so you have a long history of God's work in this nation and God using this nation to reach out to other nations. The talk of Christ and the cross has been common in our society to the point where it's been disposed of been there, done that, got the t-shirt, worn the t-shirt, rinsed the t-shirt, now it's a duster. (laughs) May we guard our hearts against becoming dull of hearing. Please, please, people, when you begin to get that sense of indifference, that sense of, you know what? I'm not really trying to gather with the people of God to sit under the word of God. You know, God has ordained the preaching of his word as a means of nourishment and spiritual energizing. There is something supernatural that takes place. Let me tell you something. I have conversations with people all the time about the Bible. And yet when I stand up in the pulpit and I say it, it seems like they hear it differently. And I'm just like, I swear I, t- I spoke to you about that two weeks ago. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you know, the Lord really spoke to me, you know, when, <laughs> when he was preaching. <laughs> May we not become hard of hearing. Like my granny would say, hard, e- not even hard, you know, Hard ears. Hard ears. And it's something that can easily creep in. Stealthily. Just without announcement and fanfare. And before we know it, we think we know it. And we don't want to hear anymore. We just about tolerate it. Maybe we're listening to the voices in society and they sound more definitive. They sound more authoritative. They sound more appealing. And so we're now beginning to doubt the truth and power of God's word over other ideologies and philosophies. That's a sign of becoming dull of hearing. May the Lord help us to clean out our our spiritual ears that we may again hear his word and hear the voice of his spirit as he applies it to our hearts. I know there's more than a few of you who have had that experience of just walking with the Lord and even just, you don't even need to hear the word preached. You've read the Bible and it's just spoken to you like the words are leaping off the page or the screen. And there's a connection there and you sense God really speaking to your heart and illuminating your understanding of not just what it means, but what it means to you. Let's be praying for that in our lives. The writer goes on, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you see there's an expectation here. There's an expectation of growth, there's an expectation of development, there's an expectation of responsibility. You're supposed to be in a place where you can take responsibility for someone else. By this time, you ought to be teachers. Are you in a place where you feel that you've grown in confidence in God's word, that you've, you've sought out those areas that have been, you know, initially they were quite tricky to understand. They, they were things that really kind of didn't come easy, but because you persevered and you asked questions and you, you studied and you've done your, your research, that you've grown to a point where actually you can begin to help someone else. This is the expectation of the Christian life. We kind of have this mentality of, I'm safe, so I'm safe. It's all good. And I'll just wait for Jesus to come back. And in the meantime, I'll just busy, about, busy myself about my own affairs. Get my career on, on lock. Family popping. Income. Comfort. so Until Jesus comes. And then, wonderful, when he comes, it gets even better. I just go to be with him. That's not the Christian life. There's an expectation of every believer. This isn't just written to pastors, this isn't a pastoral epistle. This is written to every believer that you ought to be able to teach. You You might not be called to stand up at the front, it doesn't matter. That's not what it's talking about. You should be able to pick up the Bible and explain some basic truths to people at least. By the coffee hatch. hatch. (laughs) In the leisure center when you're coming out of the gym. At the school gate when you're picking up the kids. In your house when the family come round and you're catching up. And they want to know, how comes there's so much suffering? Look how many people dying of hurricane, disaster, and so on in this world. And you say you believe in God. Like, yeah, really? And we sit there like the cat's got our tongue. <laughs> and we want to say something. but And in our hearts, we're just, Lord, help me. And the Lord says, by this time you ought to be teachers. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been doing? (laughs) It's meant to be challenging today. I'm challenged. Because this applies to all of us. And yet you need someone to teach you, notice, again. So you've already had the basic principles taught to you. But such has your indifference been and your apathy apathy, that you are now needing to be taught them again. You ever heard that phrase, use it or lose it? You went and done that course, you might have even paid money for it. A couple years ago, (laughs) never used it because it first stayed. You know the amount of times asking for first aiders, anybody first aid? And you know that people have done the course, you know? Any first aiders in the, in the place, you know, we got a family fun day coming up, and everybody just sit there like this, like, don't look at me. I know I've done the training, but I have no idea what I was trained in. I have no idea what I was taught. I'm not taking responsibility for someone's life. They're hyperventilated, shaking on the floor, and you want me to put them in recovery position. Are you mad? Nah. Uh, Pass. (laughs) Because we forgot. We need to go back and do a refresher. You need someone to teach you again the basics. Use it or lose it. You know what? You don't have to have a, a formal, arranged Bible study to kind of validate you in sharing the word with others. You don't have to be on our announcement list or as the Lord is speaking to you from his word, just share it with, with someone. You know, I was really blessed. I was reading Psalm 121 and you know what? I heard Pastor Rob speak and the Lord really just touched my heart for it and I tell you something. This is what I really got from it and you're just sharing that encouragement. You don't need a title. You don't need an official gig. Just share. And that will continue to flow. He says you need milk, not solid food. And here we see that the, the contrast as it relates to immaturity and maturity. We will understand that babies, that you know, they have milk. Because at that stage in their development, that's all that their digestive system can really deal with. And they draw all of the nourishment and nutrients they need at that stage of their life from that experience. But you try just sustaining a, a teenager on just milk. You know, teenagers, I swear, when I was a teenager, I must have had about five meals a day, like, full meals a day. You eat on the way to school, that's if you didn't have breakfast. you guy named Greg's, 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 bakery. Getting your food, break time, more food, lunchtime, time, more food. After school, you're in chicken shop, that's before you go home for your dinner. And you wonder where they put it all. No teenager is going to be functioning in a healthy way just on milk. There's a need for solid food. <clears throat> now, I don't know how well my gran understood that, because I'm sure I was eating dumpling and green banana at a very early age. <laughs> I know some of you mums blend it up for your, your toddlers. Yeah, but get them that hard food. Let them trunk, (laughs) But solid food is much greater in its ability to provide what the body needs and even to prepare it for what it will need. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. Unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Immature. There is an expectation that those who come into relationship with God will grow in maturity. And that here is represented by the ability to handle the word of God well. Paul said to Timothy, Rightly divide the word of God, meaning that the word of God can be wrongly divided. And that's a basic necessity and expectation for every Christian. Are you unskilled in the word of righteousness? Does the word of God feel clumsy to you when it's in your hands? Or does it feel like, you know, that um, I was going to say like a, a beautiful, streamlined, well honed sword, but we don't, we don't work with swords nowadays. Our swords look quite different, they have sights and triggers, still metal, still penetrating but they're being projected from firearms. We're called as Christians to be soldiers. You know, it's funny how we kind of are selective about the metaphors that we choose to focus on when it comes to the people of God. We're family, like Peggy Mitchell, family. (laughs) Phil, Grant, family. (laughs) We are a family as believers. But we're also an army. So, where's the soldiers? Where's all my Christian soldiers? Where are you? Where are we? We have to be those who are ready to handle the weapons of our warfare well. That primar- primarily being the word of God. And may the Lord help us to grow to be more skilled. May, may, we, may the Lord not even just help us to grow, but may it be an ambition. I saw a, a video this week. Um, I couldn't even remember where I saw it, I was would, I, would I would have played it. And it was a, a lady who, she looked like a classroom teacher and she looked like she was in a classroom. Like formal blouse and skirt. And somebody said, <laughs> blouse and skirt, listen. <laughs> this. <these, laughs> and somebody said, they must have said go or whatever and there was a rifle, an assault rifle on the table, and this lady gripped the rifle with one hand and she stripped it down, put it down, picked it back up, put it all back together, lock, stock and barrel, and in a matter of seconds, I'm like, wow, who would have known? This lady was very well um, experienced and very proficient in the way in which she was able to dismantle and reassemble that firearm, I wouldn't know where to start. And this is who the Lord desires us to be. That we would be mature believers who handle the word well. feel like I've got a verse missing here. For this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so the expectations, maturity, and here it tells us that our our ability, it says the powers of discernment are trained, and we see this word again, trained. The difference between teaching and training. Teaching is much more oriented towards information, informing the mind. Training is about enablement, empowering the ability to do. Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Now we see that word discernment. And for some of us. We've, we, we've kind of. We, we, that, to, to us that means. Hmm. Oh the Lord. Just showing me by discernment that. I just feel in my spirit that. I'm just discerning that. That's not what is being meant here. You see, the context clearly shows us that this discernment is in relation to God's word. It's not just feelings that we get. It's not just inclinations or suspicions. Because, you know, often sometimes people, you know, they say they have the gift of discernment. um, Or even you have these discernment ministries. When really they're just suspicious, nosy people. Discernment, the ability to judge well, sensitivity, subtlety, insight, perceptiveness. And as it relates to our context, it is directly related to the Word of God. Somebody who is skilled in the Word. develops the ability to be discerning and so we're faced with a situation you know someone comes and says I'm in this job and I really don't know if I should leave it or not um, and you're like okay t- tell me about it and you're, you're, you're thinking okay maybe I might be able to help encourage this person and you know you're praying and they're like yeah you know I'm in this job and you know, as a Christian, I just, I just feel conflicted. Now, there are so many jobs that we're in that people work in, and we can feel that on the best of days for all different reasons. So what would make this something, a job to leave or a job to stay at? And then they begin to tell you, you know, because even as I'm doing accounts for this company, there are certain things that they're having me do, and I just feel that it's unethical. And then you begin to think about the the, the word of God and how it applies to that situation. And you're able to helpfully, albeit skillfully, begin to give some kind of encouragement. And it's not even necessarily, thus says the Lord, you need to leave the work and depart from among them and be ye separate. But it's just like, well, you know what, when I think about what the Bible says, maybe it's something that you need to kind of either seek to change in your employment or to look for another job and trust that the Lord will provide you. Oh, but you don't understand the pension that I've got there and that. Okay, but put your faith in God, not in uncertain riches. Don't allow yourself to be in a situation where you're having to compromise who you are in the Lord. it becomes a productive conversation because your heart and mind is inclined towards God's word. And so you're able to be discerning in that situation. And so may we seek to be those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. I remember when we was working in schools and we were helping young people to develop their artistic abilities and so on. Uh, I remember Pastor Rob saying we, we work together to young people, I heard you say, I've, you've heard of people say that practice makes perfect. We, we've heard that before, right? Practice makes perfect. He said that's not necessarily true. And I am sat there thinking, huh, okay, what's he going to say next? Well, perfect practice makes perfect. But if you're practicing the wrong thing, you're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes. You're not going to grow. You're not going to get any better. And so there's a sense of us needing to practice, to exercise, to actively utilize the experience of Learning, understanding, and applying God's word in order that we might grow in our ability to do it well. Their powers of discernment are trained by or are the result of constant practice. And so here we're being challenged by the Lord to grow. In First Peter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's just like, if you're truly the Lord's, then growth is something that should happen. You ought to be growing in God. And it's okay to start in the, in the shallows. It's okay. There's spiritual milk. You know what I remember? When I met Pastor Rob, um, it was at a Bible study in his house. He used to live in Stockwell, him and Helen. And, um, this was just before Judith and I got married and just after they had got married. Their anniversary is in October. And then ours was in August. And it was, um, I think it was just around the turn of the year, because it was before um, Pastor P, Patrick and Sarah got married. They got married in April. So it was like Rob and Helen in October, them guys in April, us in August. So I remember clearly in that time frame going to to Patrick and Sarah's wedding, but not having gone to Rob and Helen's wedding, because I didn't know them then. And um, we were in... The, the, the house, and this is like 27 years ago. And we was there for a Bible study and it was wall to wall. It was like a shubs, like a rave. <laughs> it was wall to wall and it was all young people in there. Everyone, people stand up, people up on the stairway. i Am I lying, bro? Up on the, and the funny thing is, I think um, Helen's dad, because it was Helen's dad's house that they were living in at the time. I think he had gone away because he was used to going away. it. <laughs> he was in Australia for six months. Now, he wasn't a believer. And there was this, this clear sense that this wouldn't be happening if he was around. <laughs> so it was a free yard. It was the house. was, <laughs> And we was having Bible study in the house. We were having no rave, no bashment. We was having Bible study in the house. And it was packed. And it was standard. Okay, there's 66 books in the Bible. 39 in the old, 27 in the new. And in the beginning, God. And that was, that's what it was like for us. Packed every week. No heavy revelations. <laughs> Packed. We were just fellowshipping. And you could see the fruit of those seeds in that season. Rob's a pastor. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen when somebody just said, Oh, you know what? I think you make a good pastor, you know, put hands on him. Doing this long time before. Just a desire to lift up and strengthen and encourage the brethren. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. And so there ought to be growth. Desire the spiritual milk but don't seek to stay there. Grow up looking for that solid food. And it's not just a matter of having more knowledge so you can have really deep theological discussions. There's a necessity for us to, to not just know, but to do. James tells us that we're to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Ephesians 4 says it like this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so there are only two stages or two states of the Christian journey, regression or progression. You're either drifting, as it says in Hebrews 3, and if you've ever been in a situation where you know, you've experienced drift on water more time you don't even realize. You're just sitting there. You ever been out on a boat? Some of you went to Austria, maybe you took a boat out and you kind of just sat down on the water and the weather was nice and you leaned back and you were just enjoying the moment. And as you raised your head 10 minutes later, the boat's in a completely different place. <laughs> Docks gone, no, no land nearby. You're just like, wow, I've got some pedaling to do because that's what drifting is like. And so there's either progression or regression. There is no in-between. And progression doesn't mean that we're kind of just powering ahead constantly without challenge or without thought. No, we stumble along the way. We slow down, sometimes You know what, we may just kind of stop for a moment to catch our breath. But our mind's always focused on moving forward, growing up. Now, you might say, okay, I want to grow up. How do I do that? What does that look like? And there are a few aspects of scripture that help us. 1 John is very helpful. Because in there we see three spiritual KPIs. (laughs) <laughs> you're like, hmm, this sounds a bit too business-like. KPIs, key performance indicators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just had all this like insert day. <laughs> key performance indicators. But listen, God is committed to our growth in him, and he has given means by which we can actually evaluate ourselves and see where we're at. And in the book of 1 John... He goes through these three um, issues as being issues um, that indicate where we're at. Moral issues, relational issues, and doctrinal issues. If we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk consistently, progressively in darkness, Day after day, we lie and do not practice the truth. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So you claim to know God, you claim to have a relationship with God. Are you walking in darkness? Or are you keeping the, the word of the Lord by his grace, endeavoring to do so? to the best of your ability, given by God. Repenting of those times when you don't. Because it's either or. They're moral considerations. Relational. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So, relationship with the believers I'm always very wary when a person claims to be a Christian but hates being around Christians. They take more pleasure in being around those in the world. Listen, if we're of the same spiritual father, we're going to have our issues, we're going to have our differences, but we're family, we work it out. We're family. We work it out. Do not love the world or the things in the world... If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. It's another indicator. Oh, so actually, I I don't really have love for the people of God. And furthermore, I got mad love for the world. And I love, you know, and often worldliness is oh, you know, you listen to that music and it's worldly, and it's that's that shows that you don't have love for the father, and you, you know, watch these films and it's worldly but there's so much more to worldliness. More than even just immorality. Because like I said before, as we buy into philosophies and ideologies of the world and esteem them and regard them over and above God's word, we're being worldly. And that might be what you're learning in university or in college. That might be the opinions of those colleagues that you work with that you highly respect. It could be even the opinions of family members, parents even, who don't know the Lord. And we embrace wholeheartedly, and even to the point of loving that more than we love the Lord. Do not love the world or the things in the world. You know, it's one thing for us as believers to be dutiful in our commitment to God but what do we do with our desires with our preferences, with our pleasures I lament, I can't lie I lament when in Christian gatherings more delight is taken in the the messages and the entertainment of the world than in those of righteousness I remember back in the day when we were coming up we were legalistic, I can't lie like, if you. If, is that a Christian song? <laughs> I, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't receive it. We were legalistic and there was a certain um, degree of immaturity there. But I've kind of been thinking lately, I, I, despite the fact that I was legalistic and it wasn't entirely healthy, I wonder if I was better off then. We have to know clear boundaries in our hearts and minds as it relates to the things of the world. And one of the, 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 the tests is do I take more delight and pleasure in the delights of the world than I do in the things of God? Back in those days, we never had no holy for Christian music, it was choirs and, and commission and the winings. Take six, you know what I'm saying, bro? Christian rap, like huh? R and B. Listen, in those you have to understand that in those times it was it was a, an achievement if you had drums and bass and guitar in the church. It, that it was an achievement. We're spoiled for choice now, and yet. So often, people are not interested to even seek out what is there. People are often ask me, Will you get that music from us at the same place you can? <laughs> it's, it's on SoundCloud. It's on, the, it's on the Apple Music. Oh boy, that music. I'm playing some old Mary Mary song. <laughs> <laughs> Do not love the world. Um, relational and doctrinal truth test. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We are from God. This is the apostle John speaking of him and the apostles. Whoever knows God listens to us, listens to scripture. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us, does not listen to scripture. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So these are some indicators. We see this in 2 Peter 1, 5-8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being what? Ineffective and unfruitful. You can be a Christian, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy, that your life is productive. Unfruitful, that's what it means, unproductive. Like young people would say, that's dead, man. (laughs) And so, to end with a simple growth equation, because I know some of you love equations. I I used to hate equations. Information times revelation over application (laughs) equals transformation. Some of you are trying to transpose that. I know some of you know about equations, and you're thinking, hmm, is this a real equation? I wonder if I transpose (laughs) this equation, if it's actually gonna stand up. You, uh, listen, differentiation, bruv. <laughs> information, so it's not just about the knowledge. But there has to be some interaction with God through prayer and, and, and real seeking the Lord in order that the spirit would, add, would turn on the lights in our hearts and minds to the information. Information can just be like data. Just going in, coming out, meaning nothing but it's the revelation, the illuminating work of the Spirit that makes it alive in us, like Paul said in Ephesians 1. Illuminating, revealing to us personally what that means and what it means to us. But it doesn't stop there, because every step of progress has to be applied, tested. And as it's applied, that's when we see equal to transformation. And so, are you committed to your growth as we reboot at this stage in order that you might most glorify God? I'm going to ask the team to come up. Now, as Bertram said, we'll be unpacking this at our community group in in more practical ways. But even here, I feel there's a real sense that we've been genuinely challenged, but also hopefully instructed as we enter into this new season not just of the academic calendar or even a new season of the year, but a new season of life. God is committed to your growth and the fulfillment of his glory in you through Christ. And we recognize, you know, it's interesting. It always struck me in Luke chapter 2 when it speaks about Jesus and his interaction with the the, the, the um, teachers in the, the, the temple at, at a young age. And there's a point where it says that he grew in favor with God and men. And it's, it's, it's so deep to think that actually Jesus came as a baby and experienced growth. He who is the eternal king of kings. He who made everything. He came and he experienced growth. And that growth was evident to those who knew him and saw him. It's mysterious. But it's true. Even for our savior. And that maturing led to him not just teaching through the words of his lips, but through the life that he lived, living that perfect sinless life, even to the point of applying the the truth of God's purpose and calling upon him unto the point of the cross where he gave himself. He applied that knowledge to the ultimate point. He gave himself to the glory of the Father, and for our salvation. And we may sit down and kind of feel like, you know what, what have I been doing? I really haven't been, haven't been consistent, I haven't even been making an effort as a Christian. It's true, I've just been sitting down waiting for Jesus to come back. But we all are encouraged by the fact that Jesus done it. And he done it on our behalf so that we could have right standing with God. So that we could be beneficiaries, recipients of his grace, his divine enablement. So it's not relying on you. It's not about strenuous effort. It's about surrendering to God. As we surrender to the Lord, as we allow him to have his way in our lives, through faith in Christ, his spirit works in us and causes us to flow in his will. I'm going to ask us to stand. So as I mentioned before, you know, you might be seeking the Lord. The Lord is committed to your development. And the goal, the picture of real maturity is Christ-likeness. Lord... We come before you and we do ask that you would that you would help us, Lord, to rightly evaluate where we're at. With open hearts. Like David said in the Psalms, we ask that you would search us. And that you would know our hearts and that you would see if there'd be any wicked way in us, Lord. If there's any unhealthiness, if there's any self-centered and corrupting influence Lord that causes us to not even want to be given to that work of growth Lord we ask that you eradicate it from us from our hearts give us a heart for you Lord like David said in Psalm 119 give me a heart Lord and I will run after you give us the heart to run after you Lord Lord, I pray for all those who listening to what's been said actually realize that they've yet to surrender. Lord, I ask that you would just work in their hearts and minds right now. Helping them to come to that place of surrender to you where they can experience new life and a future and a hope in Christ Jesus. That they can jump off the ferris wheel of life, feeling like they're just going around in circles, feeling like, you know, what's the point? Just work and home and work and home and, you know, so many invest their hopes and emotions in their children only to see the children grow up and go off and do their own thing and realize that actually that's not where fulfillment is going to come. Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us in here today and listening to this, to keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. To embrace Jesus with our whole hearts, to trust Jesus with all that we are and in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.